Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to WMA Sports. My name is Jesse Kolodkin. I am here with Kyle Miller, and this is the final broadcast of WMA Sports for this uh, season of UMass football. Talk about the spring game, talk about the prognostication for the spring and the summer, some depth chart action, a couple of questions on Twitter, and just general impressions of the team and uh, of the coaching staff. So can't wait to get into it. Thank you uh, if you submitted a question. Thank you for for listening. Um, but uh, we can kick we can kick it off right here. I think we should definitely start with with the biggest one, which is the spring game. I'm so happy that it got to happen. You know, was very much worried that we'd have to watch it at home or we. Yeah, there were so many questions about, but we actually got to be there in the press box, um, watch the whole thing. Really, really, really great to happen. Honestly, great for the team too. Um, Bell's first season. Uh, Kyle, you weren't here yet. Uh, it's okay. You didn't miss, you didn't miss anything. Uh, the rain was coming down so incredibly hard. They essentially just did a skills competition and then called it really quick because, um, you know, just nothing could be done. And, um, a couple of guys got some bad injuries then. Uh, and then last year, obviously, got killed for COVID. So the fact that they just got one at all. Yeah, it, it kind of felt normal. It really did, you know, and uh, people in the stands and, you know, run breaks and people cheer and, you know, defensive guy bats the ball down on third down and people cheer. I mean, it, it kind of feels like football again. So, no, I mean, just – Again, just it's a culmination. I mean, really, today more than anything else, it's a culmination of what's already been done, and we've had a great spring. You know, uh, ever since that two-week shutdown that our university had, you know, and we backed up spring football ten days. We've had a lot, an unbelievable amount of good work, great practice days, great walkthroughs, great lifts. I mean, we've got wonderful kids that are doing everything they can to just the first bowl game in the history of this institution. And, and the fact that they came out pretty healthy. You know, they held a couple of guys, and we can talk about one of them, too, because they uh, they were hyping up, was it Johnny White, who was a running back? I mean, the players were talking about him. Bell was raving about him. Jonathan White, who did not play today because um, he had a little bit of a rib injury in the spring. Uh, Jonathan White's got a chance to be really special, too. Sad that he couldn't come because, uh, you know, they're just holding out to be careful with injury concerns. So... Because we're not there at general practices, we don't have a very good idea of players that you otherwise wouldn't know. We don't know how the roster is shaping out, which is really unfortunate. So for those people on Twitter who are saying, why didn't I drop a depth chart? That's why, because I just, I didn't know who was really doing well in practice because I can't be there and see it, you know, otherwise, and I don't know to ask Bell about different players who I see in practice because I don't know how they're doing outside of like the main, you know, few people who I assume are going to start. So yeah, Jay White, who they were, they were raving about. Um, we saw Jared Jasari, I think had a great spring game, took advantage of, of his opportunities, had some really big runs. Is he going to get a, some playing time? That's definitely a question. I think he is an uphill battle for sure. Um, but, but that, that type of thing about just being able to see there and see what you are. So Kyle seeing as you know, your first spring game, uh, kind of your first really in-person stuff for UMass football. Uh, what'd you think? What'd you see? What'd you like? What, what'd you dislike? Well, the first thing I want to say is it felt great to be a part, to be a part of the UMass game, to be there, 
not only that, there was family there. Walt Bell talked about it for the whole time, saying how how much it meant to him to be there. He said to us in the in the post game, you know, it was one of the best spring games he was a part of, and I think that it th- those are big step forwards for the program if you can have days like that. And in, and in terms of the game itself, there's a it's hard to get really excited because it is a spring game. You're playing each other, but there was a lot to like about this UMass team. Both teams played not like a spring game. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from it as a team. There were individual standouts that we're going to talk about later. I'll mention one, K-Ron Adams right now. He came to play. He had his coming out party. But in terms of the competition level and the intensity, both teams brought it. They acted like they both wanted to win it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, K-Ron absolutely came to play. I was Noah Boykin, he said in the, in the post game. Oh, I, I mean, it was great. Um, I, love, I love, you know what I'm saying, opposite team fans. But just to have our family and, and, and our original fans supporting us today, that, I mean, that's a love. But we didn't really have that luxury, you know what I'm saying, last year where every game we had was away. So we really didn't have a home crowd. And, and for this to be our first, basically our first home game, you know what I'm saying, I loved it. You know, I love the atmosphere. You know what I'm saying, I love the family vibes always. Talk about some players. I think I will go with easiest one. Uh, if Tyler Lytle is not the starting quarterback come uh, September. Either Brady Olson is the next coming of Andrew Luck or something went terribly wrong. I think that's very fair to say. Tyler Lytle had an okay day, 5 of 10, 77 yards and a touchdown. Um, it, was, it was a decent touch, touchdown, but, you know, only 50%, only 77 yards, but – he looked calm. He looked in control. He had one fumble, but it was a kind of miscommunication on the snap. He looked far and away the best passer. I was very impressed by his rushing ability. We hadn't really known that he could kind of scramble, and they had him move out of the pocket at times, and he showed good mobility. He ran a few times. I absolutely was impressed with with his legs. Zamar Wise is definitely a project, and Garrett Zero certainly has some things you can like about him, but very much um, uh, far from being a starting quarterback. So I, Kyle, I think you agree with me on the Lytle thing, but what'd you see out of Zamar and Wise and Garrett Zero? I think, well, first off, speaking about Lytle, what you said, he's, he's the starter. He is the starter. If he's not the starter, he's injured. That's the only reason why he shouldn't be. He was making great throws. It took him a while to get into it. I think, I don't know, maybe it was nerves, maybe it was chemistry issues but it did take him a while. But once they started getting into the red zone work, he looked very crisp. He had that beautiful fake screen over the Taylor Edwards. Wasn't a touchdown, but got it to like the five-yard line. In terms of Zamar Wise, you have to like the athleticism. He makes a lot of great plays with his feet. His throwing wasn't there. He had a hard time with the snaps, but I think that's going to come. You know, He's got to learn all this different stuff. In terms of zero, it was – Either he was nervous or he just had a rough time, but he didn't really show a lot to us. He overthrew a lot of passes. And based on this, if you were the, if you were deciding the quarterbacks, obviously the number one would be Lytle. I think everyone's in agree with that. I think everyone we've talked to so far. And then I think you go wise and then zero. Cause I think with wise, you have another dimension. You can, you can run it a little bit more. Zero does have some athleticism and Lytle is athletic, but definitely Zamar wise is the most athletic out of those three players. That's interesting you say that because I think Zuro is far more uh, ready as a passer and as a starting quarterback. But 
you are right wise has um, perhaps more potential. So it will be interesting to see how Bell develops them and chooses to develop them as the season goes on. Brady Olson is still, I think he's finishing up, he's either finished or finishing up his high school play um, here in Massachusetts. And then he'll join them come either June or August uh, to start with camps and training sessions and all that. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I know the staff is very high on him. Don't see him beating out Lytle. Once again, unless he truly is a world beater, the jump from being a true freshman, you know, coming from high school to being a true freshman starting, that's, even though UMass is not at a power five level, that's still an incredibly large jump. So I would expect Lytle to be the starter come day one. And, you know, maybe, maybe Brady Olson works his way up to number two. And that way they, they really develop him because Lytle could be gone in a year or two. So you could develop him like that, but it's Lytle's game to lose at this point. Um, speaking of games to lose, I, I came in thinking Ellis Merriweather was his backfield to lose. I still think that, but we just solidified that Karon Adams is, is there to stay as well. I mean, you got to transfer from Rutgers. We, we heard about him. We hadn't really seen him and he played amazing. I mean, physical runner. He was fast. He had that great contact balance that is really rare in running backs. You know, he gets hit, but he stays low and then he can change. I like the way, because one of my pet peeves for every running back at any level, if you run to the right side, you tuck the ball under your right arm, you run to the left side, you tuck your ball under the left arm. That's how you prevent fumbles. That's how you prevent the ball going to the other team. He did a pretty good job with that, did a good job with ball security. They are going to have a serious one-two punch in the backfield. Okay, Ron is, you know, got home run ability, you know, can break tackles, sturdy, well-built. The conscientious does a great job in pass protection. So we, we're really excited about all those tailbacks. Yeah, and I think that's a lot of what was missing last year. Because you see Ellis Merriweather, he's someone who could just put your head down, go in between the tackles, and get like three to four yards on a play. The issue is you can't run that play every time. And that's what we saw with K-Ron Adams. He was making plays that you can't teach. He was that one play, that one touchdown. He did. He made the cutback, spin move, breaks the tackle, and dives in for the end zone. You can't teach that. As good as Savon Huggins has been, and all the running backs have talked about how great he is, that is a play that he did not teach him. And that is what makes this so scary. And even with Brian Chassari, we talked about him early on as a pass catcher. He can get the ball and he can make moves. He can he can turn out a quick check route and turn into a five, six-yard game. These are the types of players, the types of playmakers. I talk about playmakers all the time on this show. And these are playmakers. And this is the reason why I think a lot of the people that we saw watch this game were excited. Me and you were excited. Everyone was. We're excited for it. Hey, I don't disagree. And it comes back down, though, to, to good old Walt Bell play caller now. I, you're right. I think they do have some playmakers or potential playmakers. Can he use them? Right? Can he use them? You asked him, why are you OC? Uh, or why are you play caller now? I don't know. Fingers pointed at anyone else. All right. Fingers are pointed at him. Can can he show up? Go on he, he he's walked the walk. Can he? You know, sorry, he's talked the talk. Now can he walk the walk? <laughs> I think you're absolutely right. It'll be interesting to see. And one thing that I was very impressed by because I think the offensive line had a solid game, not a spectacular, but a solid. Ellis Merriweather specifically was so impressive in his pass blocking because it, it was not there at all last season. 
the running backs in general did not do a great job in, in blitz pickup or pass blocking. Alice Merriweather had one of the cleanest uh, blitz pickups I've ever seen. Uh, safety came through the middle, went low, upended him. Perfect. Gave Lytle plenty of time to throw. He had another couple of great pickups. Adams had a solid one. Ellis Merriweather that, and the backs in general. That was phenomenal, especially because this offensive line, the tackles specifically are very much up for grabs. They are going to need to help out a lot. So that, that was really impressive uh, to watch. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, I talked about a lot about the K-Ron Adams play. Touchdown, Trey Petway had a touchdown. We'll talk about that. But everyone talks about those types of plays. But those plays by Ellis Merriweather, that that pass blocking, that is what's going to win you a football game. That's why this is so impressive. You have Ellis Merriweather come in, make pass blocking plays. And then you have K-Ron come in and he can go to the outside. Chisari coming in with a pass catching. If you have all these different dimensions to your game, as we talked about, Walt Bell, open up the playbook. The players are there. Let's see if he can open it up, though. And we haven't even seen uh, Johnny White. No. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see, you know, yeah, it'd be interesting for you to see how, how he looks next year. Um, and when you look at also Karon Adams, because he, we had media with him afterwards, and it was interesting from this say, you know, the first people I reached out to were the offensive line. That's really good to hear because you do need that synchronicity with your backs and your own line and see how each other moves and thinks. And when you're talking about Merriweather, it do, you know, he has speed, which was something I was actually a little – I don't, want, I don't want to say surprised, but you you saw him last year and you didn't think he really had that home run ability. And, and we saw a couple of plays where he ran to the outside and was like, he got to the edge, you know, and I think he, he looked in much better shape than last year, but he got to the edge fine. That was very impressive. And that ability to hit the hole clean is something he either doesn't have or needs to work on. And, you know, we'll see if Huggins can help him. So having a guy like Kron who can really hit the hole, I think is very important. You're right, Ellis is very much can, you know, okay, it's fourth and one, he can pound it forward. Interestingly enough, he is that fourth and one back, and he's also the outside back who can run to the outside. That kind of in the middle where you need to pick a hole and choose a lane, he's, he's hesitant or he's slow through it. It's not something he seems to have naturally. So it's, it's very, you know, it's beneficial to this UMass offense. If they have a guy like Kron who can do that. Um, and, and we'll see, you know, how Merriweather develops that ability because it is a bit like a sixth sense. You either know how to do it or you don't. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see how they use the run game um, come the fall. But you talked about Trey Patway and he had a hell of a game. Uh, that touchdown was, not at all how they drew it up, but they'll take it. I think the biggest thing was the guy we were throwing to is wide open. You know, D lineman gets a hand on it, ball gets tipped, and sometimes you get lucky. And, you know, as a young football player, you learn that sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. So, uh, no, we, we had what we want. Quarterback's going to the right spot, ball gets tipped, and we we're in the right guy in the right spot. I've also been placed where that ball gets tipped and the other team catches it and runs the other way and it ain't a good feeling. So we'll take the luck. Patway was just lucky man in the area, caught it and took off about 20 yards down the field to score for a touchdown. Um, so just heads up play. And Petway, I think, is a – I don't know if he'll be the number one receiver. He is a guy to watch for this coming season. We asked Bell about him this past year in media. 
And he said, look, if not for the pandemic, we don't get Petway. You know, Petway's from Alabama. He had a lot of good G5 and a couple of lower P5 offers in the transfer portal. And because of the pandemic, everything got shut down. Teams got nervous, didn't know who to trust, and they went elsewhere. So UMass got to swoop in and take him. So that is a, a really big pickup for this team. And I think he's showing it. He has the size, he has the speed. And receiving core is definitely going to be uh, a position in flux as well. I think there are there, there's no real uh, leader in the clubhouse yet, so it'll be interesting to see who the leading receivers are next year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, with that touchdown, we talked with the tip touchdown. Coach Bell said it best. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. You know, he was in the right place at the right time. But don't. But that doesn't take away how he played. He went up against Josh Wallace, Noah Boykin. We agree, secondary. The secondary is one of the strengths of this UMass team, and Petway held his own. That's a great sign going into it. He has that combo of size and speed that that you love to see out of your receiver. Can't agree more. And let's talk about that defense now. Um, they, I was very impressed by the pass rush, by the linebacking core because they they got pressure pretty consistently, especially in the first half, in the non red zone period. There was two kind of halves. The first one was general. They started around the 25 and just go the length of the field as far as you can to score. The second one was they started at the 25. They had to score in the red zone. Um, and so it's a young linebacking court. It's a young, young front seven in general. Uh, I think we both saw him. Uh, I know you're a big fan of Jarrell Johnson and Najee Logan. I'll let you talk about them in a second. I was very much impressed with Xavier Gonzalez, number 49. Uh, he had three total tackles. Um, two TFLs, no sacks, but he got through the line quickly. I mean, he had speed, he had burst, and I think he could definitely be a player um, who really comes up this year. Kind of in, you know, if they play a 3 4, he'll kind of be that hybrid outside linebacker slash D end. Um, you know, he's listed at 6 3, 250 from Massachusetts, so a great in state pickup. I, I'm very much, I think there's a lot of promise that he shows. Um, but, you know, the story of the day was Jarrell Johnson. I mean, he went off nine tackles. I, I know you loved him. Yeah, I mean, we talked about we talked about the question mark for this UMass team after the recruiting. I think we both agreed that the linebacker was a big question mark. Jarrell Johnson kind of answered it a little bit for us. He kind of he played up. No one no one really knew what was going what we was going to play like going into it. And I also think that it helped that the defensive line kind of helped control the line of scrimmage. So it opened up some holes from the kind of rush through, but he made a lot of plays. And I think that talk about defense as a whole, I think that for the first time, I didn't see a lot of this last season. There were three to four guys going to the ball into the tackle each time. And that's important. I mean, it's great to have these hit stick plays where it's one guy. But that's not going to happen every time. So the more people you can get to the ball, the better. And I think that's what Jarrell Johnson and I think that's what Najee Logan so do so well. They find the ball. They find out where the play is going so they can so they can be one step ahead. Yeah, and I mean, as long as I've been at UMass, the run defense has been a huge issue. It's been a massive issue under Bell. So if they can at least stem it a little bit, shore it up, that would be a huge step in the right direction and would certainly help this defense because, I mean, you know, we talked about the quarterbacks not having a great day at the office. Part of that was because the secondary is really nice. I mean, you have three legitimate starting quarterbacks, uh, cornerbacks, excuse me, in Bryce Watts, Noah Boykin, and uh, Josh Wallace. And then, I mean, uh, 
Cody Jones looked really good. I will tell you one guy I was very impressed with. Jordan Powell, uh, number 33. He's a redshirt freshman. He had some really nice plays. Definitely, I think, a guy to watch as he moves up the depth chart for next season. But this secondary should be legit. The secondary is legit. As he said, I mean, Josh Wallace, we did. We asked who we thought could be drafted. You know, we got Larmel. Congratulations to Larnell Combe again drafted. And we said, who do we think the next player is? And I think the first player that immediately came to my mind was Josh Wallace. I think he has the ability to get it to the next level. Noah Boykin also played a great game, had that great interception, just stepped right in front of the receiver. And then I think also with that interception, we kind of saw the unity of this corner of this of the secondary room. They all with the celebration, they all ran it back to the they all ran it back to the end zone with the celebration. And you know, talking to Boykin about it, that's what he says. Every turnover is a celebration. Everyone, everyone is playing for each other, and that is how they get the energy up. And those are the things you love to hear if you're a coach. I mean, Coach Bell listened to that. He's like, okay, these guys play together. This is who I want. This is the energy that I want for my football team. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, we should. Should definitely say congratulations to Larnell, third in a row now for the Minutemen. Uh, and that's actually a good transition. We can talk, we'll definitely talk about more about the spring game, but bring up the first question that we received from Alex Eric. He only said three years in a row, guy gets drafted. Do you think anyone would get drafted next season? Slash, who do you think on the current roster has NFL draft potential? So I like that kind of dual question. And I will say this year is actually, or this coming season is without question, the most important year for, for UMass draftees. Because the last three years, even though two of them were under Bell, they were not Bell's guys. You know, there were other guys from other regimes, and Bell had coached them. You know, Larnell, he had for two years. But this is the year where it's like, okay, these are, Bell, this is, these are Bell's players that he's coached holy. Is he good enough to get, get them to the NFL? So I think it's a very crucial, important year. Um, in terms of, yeah, getting your guys to the next level. So who do I think will be next slash who do I think has potential to get there? I think Noah Boykin certainly is up there. 6'2", 188, so he has plenty. So A, he has he's tall for a cornerback. That's really good. You know, Wallace is listed around six foot, um, 180. So getting him a little bigger is good, but that's that's – right kind of in the gray area between being short and being good height for a corner. If you're Noah Boykin and you can show that you have the good hit, the good hit movement, you're not a long strider. You can keep up with smaller twitchier receivers and you can put on, you know, get to that two fifteen level. I think he has a very good chance to get to the NFL next season um, or in a season or two. Uh, K Ron Adams is a red shirt sophomore. So he might kind of be, a little gray area. The, the issue is a lot of these guys, if you're playing for UMass, you're not really at a level where you can leave after three years just because the level of competition isn't going to be quite high enough. Um, we saw that with Jake Bisco this year, right? He's going, he's doing a grad year at BC. So if he really goes off at BC this year, then he should be able to get to the next level. Um, it stands to reason. But looking at some of the older guys on the team, once again, Noah Boykin, he's a redshirt junior, so he definitely has that age and experience, has the Notre Dame background. Dante Lindsay, maybe, but he's a little small for the NFL. I think guys who has who have a pretty good chance are Dal- Dalton Tomlinson and Reggie Marks III on the O-line. They both are tall enough. They're heavy enough. They play the center guard area. 
And especially with if Larnell does decently in his first season, then people say, okay, UMass can make a decent offensive lineman. So I think they all have, have a pretty good shot. I don't know if you have thoughts about that one. I think that for a player for next year, I think Avian Pena is one that I would have my eyes on. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's a lock, but I think that he made a lot of good steps in that shortened season last year. He made he made some noticeable improvements. And if he can continue upon that, I think he could show that he can play either two-point stance, foot art, hand on the ground, kind of go off the ball. But, you know, Noah Boykin, I talked about Josh Walls earlier, Karon Adams. Those are all players that have potential. But right now, going into next year's draft, I don't think they would be ready. I think they need a little more preparation, a little more potential. And like you said, it helps, you know, three players in the past three years. That helps in terms of recruiting. And if you want to, and the more players that you can get into the NFL, if you're, if you're Coach Bell, the better you'll be talking to these talking to these high school students. Oh, without question. People do not give high schoolers enough credit when it comes to playing at the college level. They're smart. You know, they understand that if you want to, that if, you know, I want to take this seriously and I want to play it in the NFL, I need to be in a program that's going to take me seriously. So stadium is great. Having nice locker rooms are great. Having a good facility is great. The number one selling point the number one recruitment strategy is getting guys to the nfl bar none right the fact that alabama can say hey we had six players in the first round first off that's absurd but that is the single best nick saban can go into any um, high schoolers living room and say i got six first round picks i have the most picks out of anyone else in, in college right if you, and Alabama on average, an Alabama player on average goes, um, I think, four spots higher than every other school in the country. That's money in your pocket because the higher you get drafted, the higher your first uh, contract is, the more money it has. So you, so he, Nick Saban can go to any high schooler's living room and say, if you come to me, I will get you paid more money earlier uh, on draft night. That's a fact. That's not an opinion. That's literally a fact. So for Bell now to be able to say, hey, we're not some run-of-the-mill G5. We're not some down-and-out guy who everyone says, oh, you should go to FCS. We can we we get guys in the NFL. We had Andy Isabella as, as a second-round pick. Uh, then we had Isaiah Rogers as a sixth-round pick. And now we have Larnell Coleman as a seventh, right? And Isaiah Rogers made the all-rookie team as a returner. That if he can consistently do that, get a couple guys every year, that would be huge for this program. Let's see. Let's go back to the spring game, though. Finish up on, on that before we move on to some other stuff. Any players who we haven't mentioned that, that stood out to you? I think that, you know, we talked about Trey Petway a little bit, talked about the different receivers. I think that Taylor Edwards had a pretty good game at a tight end, you know, something that you didn't really see. More kind of, you know, we started throwing the ball. You didn't really see a lot of them when they were just working on the basic stuff. But as soon as they got to the red zone, he started looking for them more and more. He has that opportunity to be a red zone threat. As we talked about, they kind of designed that great screenplay. They had they had Edwards fake the screen pass, and then he kind of cut back and tried to go to the end zone, vital through a beautiful pass, might I add. Put it right in the bread basket to Taylor Edwards. But those those type of red zone threats, when you have that, that's going to make it just easier for the quarterback, easier for the entire offense. Yeah, like that. I, I have one guy who I forgot to mention, Tristan Armstrong uh, in the secondary. I think they're still figuring out if they want him to be at uh, safety or corner, but he had three tackles. He did a very nice job setting the edge. He had a one sack came in, coming out on a blitz. 
I, I think he had a very nice spring game. So he's certainly going to be a guy to play perhaps the money back a role, the kind of strong safety role um, or in the slot. Let's talk about, because it does matter. It is important. Special teams was a bit of a mixed bag. We didn't get to see any punting at the spring game, which is good. You know, I don't mind seeing one punt, but it is probably better to get everyone else the reps necessary. In my opinion, we saw a little too much of the punting during the regular season last year in those four games. But <laughs> Just on. a tad? Just a little bit? Just a tad too much. Yeah, I think Bell would agree with you. So Cameron Carson took all the kicking attempts. He was two for two on extra points, and he was two for three on field goals. He made 34 and 24 and then he missed from 39. I think there's some pros and cons here. The pro was that the 34-yarder was the game winner. So the offense got that kick. They got the points to win the red zone period, won the day, which was obviously, you know, it was a high-pressure kick, right? So that show he's at least – he can keep his cool in his, in his spring game facility. The con, it's 39 – you know, I understand that college kickers are nowhere near NFL kickers. 39 yards should definitely be in his – range what, what what do you see out of him I thought it was good what I saw he did miss the 39er but it wasn't it wasn't a total miss it was close I mean a miss is still a miss good news is he hit the 24 yarder and I think the biggest thing is he hit that 34 yard to hit the game to win the game yes it is a spring game not as high pressure as a regular season game but the defense did what they did to put the pressure on I mean they iced the kicker they wanted to they wanted to try to keep this as close as closest to a real game experience as possible. And the fact that he hit it now, I mean, it's better now that he hit it and you go, okay, let's see what he can do in a spring game. It's better to have this conversation than, oh, he missed the game winning kick in the spring game. What does this mean for the regular season? So I think a little more pros and cons, but I think all in all, a pretty, pretty solid day for the kicking game. I thought that was a big deal for Cam Carson, you know, to, to hit a pressure kick, you know, knock that thing down the middle defense kind of takes a time out there to, freeze the clock, you know, for him to knock that thing through. And, you know, that was a big day for him, you know, good moment for him moving forward. You know, hopefully he's got to do the same situation and go knocks one through and wins the game for us. Agreed. And you're right. It is better to make the 34 game winner and miss the 39 than make the 39 and miss the game winner. And he seems to be well-liked, you know, Noah Boykin was hyping him up. I mean, I wasn't disappointed, you know what I'm saying? I'm always rooting on for our kickers, man, because our kickers, you know what I'm saying, they really be on the defensive sideline. They just gave them white jerseys. I was excited for Cam, man. Um, that's my guy, you know what I'm saying, from last year. Came a long way, still working, you know what I'm saying? So I wasn't mad at all. But I would have loved for us to go get that block for sure, man, because we, we needed them points, and I wanted to win. And, man, we couldn't do it, but it was all right. Uh, in the post game. So he seems to be well-liked on the team. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, UMass when I believe it was one for four in four games on their field goal attempts. That's a pretty atrocious stat line. Definitely needs to be corrected. We'll see if Carson can be the one to do it. I do know they have a kicker in the transfer portal from Ole Miss, I believe. So it'll be interesting to see, A, assuming that he can get through the NCAA process and get immediate eligibility. If he gets there, how does that shape up the kicking competition? Um, cause that'll be big, you know, getting an even better kicker, um, or at least in competition. That'll be, that'll be interesting. You know, they, they haven't exactly had an abundance of points, so they can't miss three. <laughs> um, cause somebody missed a kick. Let's see. We'll take a short break right here. Stay tuned with us on WMA sports. 
football show. We'll be right back. For more than 25 years, residents in the five college area have been getting food brought to their door by Delivery Express. Customers can order from over 85 Pioneer Valley restaurant locations. Almost every local spot in downtown Amherst is available to eat without having to leave your own home using Delivery Express. Online orders can be placed at DeliveryExpress.com. Phone orders are available through their iOS app or by calling 413-549-0077. Hot Table Panini, located on Route 9 in Hadley, is just a few miles away from the UMass campus. Hot Table specializes in a variety of grilled panini sandwiches and also offers a selection of soups and salads. For over a decade, Hot Table has been serving paninis for customers all across the Pioneer Valley. Customers can order in-store or by using the Hot Table app to order for delivery. Their menu, store locations, and phone number can be found at hottable.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the football show here on WNA Sports. I'm Jesse Clarkson with Kyle Miller. We were just talking about the spring game, doing our recap of it. A reminder that if you missed part of this broadcast, if you want to hear the whole thing again, check out the WNA Sports Spotify. You can find all of the football show episodes. Uh, You can find uh, men's and women's basketball, hockey hour, all that good stuff. So definitely check it out. Let's see. I think we can finish up a little bit. There was a few penalties, which uh, I know weren't too awful. I don't think Bell was, was too uh, mad about them. They, they weren't horrendous. There was no big bad penalties. Any final thoughts on the spring game? All in all, more positives than negatives, and that is what you want to see. No, I, I think it was a culmination of a, a great spring. Um, you know, I think after today we will have finished around probably 1,250, almost 1,300 reps. Which, you know, our first spring here, we were only able to get about 800 reps knowing we were sitting on body. So, culmination of a great spring. We had a great day. Kids had a great time. We got out of there healthy. Um, you know, we were down a few guys today. Don Barons didn't play. Jay White didn't play. Aaron Beckwith didn't play. Guys with, you know, bumps and bruises from throughout the spring. But all those guys will be back and healthy. Hugo Clagas didn't play. It's another one. You know, we're healthy. We're in a good spot. There's some good back and forth today, good competition, some of the situational stuff, and it was uh, it was good. Obviously, it's a spring game. You know, it you can't read too much into it, but as I mentioned with the kicking, it's better to talk about the positives and say, oh, we can't read too much into this than them having a bad spring game. So I think that was good. We saw a lot of different players kind of step up. K. Ron Adams stepped up. Xavier Gonzalez stepped up. I think there's a, I think there's a lot of different players now who can fill different positions. And I think that the biggest, the biggest thing that happened from the UMass spring game is that we have a quarterback and his name is Tyler Lytle. There you have it. I uh, know. I don't disagree. I, I think the fact that they have some real depth is the biggest um, advantage they're going to have for this coming season. Noah Boykin been saying it numbers when bell was in his first year by the second half of the season, you know, they'd have six offensive linemen for a game right I think the last two games they had five I mean that's just that's not sustainable so the fact that now they're spoiled for choice or perhaps not spoiled for choice but there there is a choice to be made is a very good sign at the direction of the program and the fact that there is at least options to be had 
think for me, for my final thoughts on the spring game, once again, more positives than negatives. Uh, I think there's definitely some promise to be had. A lot of development development needs to be done. Um, but this this looks like a team that should win four games. You know, we talked about we don't need to do another schedule breakdown. We've done a bunch of them, but this is a team that should win four games. You know, there are six winnable ones. Pitt is not a world beater. They 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 should be able to do that. Um, I'll go to our second question and our final question on Twitter. Nick Baker, what new coaching hire do you think will have the biggest impact? I think Coach Miller. I'll give Kyle a, a, a second to think about it. I think Alex Miller from coming from UNH, a former UMass player himself. I think he's going to have the most important impact because the offensive line has been very bad. And if he can fix it, that's going to be huge. But I think the biggest impact will be A.T. Turner because everyone I've talked, everyone we've talked to in media loves A.T. Turner. They love the energy he brings. They love the competition he brings. Um, We haven't heard a single bad review. And even more importantly, he's an SEC guy. You know, he's coming from Florida. He's worked almost exclusively at, in Power 5 conferences. That's big. If he has good recruiting routes and recruiting footholds and he knows guys, that could be huge if you can ex- expand your reach into the South. You know, Bell has not been shy about throwing his, you know, the UMass name into the hat for, very, for high recruits. Um, he's, he started to go to Georgia and South Carolina, picked up Trey, Trey Petway from Alabama. They're, they're not afraid. And so they're not getting high recruits because UMass is in a power five program. That's fine. But at least just to understand the layout and the territory and get a better foothold, that would have a huge impact on the program. Yeah. I think that Turner will be a big, big improvement. You know, when you ask, when does the improvement start? Starts in the weight room. You got to get stronger, got to get faster. And I think that's where he's going to come in. He's going to help bring that up to, up to date, up to speed. In terms of what I saw in the spring game, you'll never, you'll never see me get a chance to not say good things about Savon Huggins. I think that Savon Huggins has been one of the best hires for UMass. And I think that it showed last season, it was, it was hard for the UMass running backs to get two, three yards. And now what we're seeing, they're consist they're consistently ripping five, six yard gains, cutbacks, spin moves. They're they're starting to become more than one dimensional running backs. And I think that that's the biggest thing that you're gonna see. Savon Huggins is your guy. Spring game's done. They'll be gone until June first. That's when everyone starts coming back. They do lots of weight room work, and then August is when uh, training camp starts up. So now they Bell and, and his team have time a for vacation and then B start getting on the road, start doing camps, find some guys. What do you think, if anything, is going to be a big key or a big change between now and August? I think that a thing that we want to see for the big change, probably not a big change, but just the changes to see a lot of emphasis on this summer going into recruiting. I mean, you look on Twitter, you see the stuff, the Walt Bell football game, and that's stuff that you like to see. That's stuff that, yes, it, it's, it works both ways. It allows for a player, a high school player coming up to kind of see what it would take for them to get to the next level. And it helps them learn. And for, and for coach Bell, he can see, huh, let's see what this player can do. He can kind of, he can kind of use it as a recruiting tool and, hopefully the goal of these camps is not only to improve the player it's for Bell to try to find a recruit that he can 
get on a scholarship in a couple of years. You know, it plants the seeds. I think we can wrap it up here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in this year. It's been a weird year, but very thankful that you guys got to be a part of it. And now we got, we got to be a part of it as well. Keep listening here on WMA Amherst. Uh, I'm Jesse Clodkin, Kyle Miller on WMA Sports. This has been the football show. Stay safe out there. Get your vaccine if you can. And uh, take it easy.